Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we assemble to explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, one minute at a time. In this, our sixth season, we're looking at The Avengers. I'm Andy Nelson from the True Story FM Entertainment Podcast Network. And I'm Pete Wright, and just hear me out. What if God did dress like that? God does dress like that! (laughs) But is it like Thor, or is it like Loki? Like Thor! (laughs) He's all about red robes. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're talking about Minute 45, which begins with Thor's arrival and ends with Loki saying he misses his brother. Joining us on the show again is Nathan Blackwell and Chrissy Lenz from the Most Excellent 80s Movies Podcast. Hello, you two. Hey! Hi, hi, hi. Coming in hot for 45. (laughs) Coming in hot. That's right. Uh, All right. So Thor uh, shows up. He he drops into the the landing deck of the Quinjet. And uh, and, all right. So we know that nobody on Earth really knows who he is. I know Tony had kind of watched some videos as far as like, you know, all on all of his holographic video playback machines so he could kind of see who all these people were. But I mean, this is really their first time all coming into, uh, a, you know, a proximity with this particular person. And the first thing Iron Man does is draw on him. And I, I don't know, I guess I thought that was kind of funny. I mean, I know he doesn't know exactly who this person is or why he's here, any of that sort of stuff. And so, of course, he's being yeah, you know, he's he's doing his job as a hero and he's making sure that something doesn't happen. But then, you know, and Thor does the same thing. He immediately just throws Mjolnir into Tony's suit and it just yeah, okay. So we're we're in this world of these superheroes and of course there's this whole thing about um, you know, our heroes are going to fight, but you know, they're we're not really going to hurt each other other than maybe bruised egos things like that. But really, should Mjolnir damage Tony's suit? Probably. Uh, yeah. I mean, shouldn't it? <laughs> the, I, he should I would be think cracked so. in half. Uh-huh. Well, I, I feel like he's got control, like, you know, it's a light touch, a light attack. You know, he's not using yeah, full power. Light touch. Yeah, gotcha. I feel like he's okay. got for sure control as long as his emotions are in check. A little, a little swat, a little Mjolnir swat. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yes. Yeah. There's, there's a little bit of something going on here. He, I mean, it's, it's kind of a direct, direct hit into his, uh, the center of his chest. The first of several that Tony is going to have yeah. over the course of this Cause, battle. Cause I don't think that Thor is thinking that these guys are bad. He thinks it's like, it's another team, but I'm going to handle this my way. Screw these other dudes. But it's, it's kind of like, you know, he understands that they're Earth's posse, you know, uh, but I'm going to handle this my way because this is an Asgardian thing. Yeah. Well, okay. This is a great point because just to give us a sense of the timeline, April 30th, 2012, this is when Frigga realizes that Loki is alive and tries to communicate him while he's still in Sanctuary. This was right before all of this. He refuses to respond, but she does tell Thor and Odin that he's alive. The next day, May 1st, um, in Asgard, this is when Heimdall looks down and he can see Loki down there on Earth with the Tesseract. And he lets Thor and Odin know, hey, he's down there causing trouble. Several days later, May 3rd, that's today, this is when Odin uses the dark energy to transport Thor back to the Earth. 
so he gets here with dark energy very quickly. It all takes place over the course of a day traveling across the entire galaxy. Again, it's, you know, a movie and Marvel magic to get him here, but it is what it is. But the fact that Heimdall did look down to see Loki down here, it does make me wonder if there has also been a conversation about, hey, we see him, he's got these, you know, he's, there are these other people who are trying to stop him. And I just wonder, like, how much does Thor know about these people? Like, had Heimdall seen Iron Man, Captain America, the Avengers up to this point? And does he have any sense as to what's going on? I feel like Heimdall would know. And Thor would get kind of like the morning brief and just kind of skim it, you know. <laughs> it's like, okay, the, the the local militia, sure, they've got him. Okay, I'm going. Yeah, <laughs> the local militia. That's perfect. That's yeah. There's that's like you know the the federal government looking down at like the the you know the the town sheriff. Or yeah, mm-hmm. exactly right. right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Because I mean. I think even though Thor in his own movie had a journey where he kind of cared more about mortals and earth, I think he's still in a place where he needs to adjust his worldview of seeing the difference because he still considers himself to be a god and these are mortals. So he's still, he's still on a journey, I think, to kind of really figure out how to treat these people. (laughs) Right. Yeah, for sure. Well, and I guess that's a question that, you know, we can kind of continue this conversation over the next several minutes, but does it make sense for him to grab Loki and zip out of there so that they can go have their conversation on a mountaintop, as opposed to just saying, hey, this is my brother, and kind of having this conversation here with all of them? Or or do you see it specifically because of exactly what you just said? Or it's like, well, he doesn't really see them as his equals. And so he wants to kind of separate them. There's also a part that it's it's kind of a family thing, too. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's I think it's that specifically is that he doesn't want, you know, and he says over and over, like, he's going to face Asgardian justice. This is my brother. Uh, and then eventually, you know, drops in that he's adopted. But. I think it is that it's a family matter and he's, he doesn't want to embarrass himself. Don't embarrass me in front of my friends. You know, kind of thing. <laughs> exactly Don't right. embarrass me in front of the earth militia, Loki. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I feel like the way he comes into the story, he is slammed into the story. All of that indicates to me that he is at this point in his overall arc, he feels separate and unequal from everybody else trying to do, deal earth justice and this is a demonstration of that he is he is above um midgardian justice yeah right like he's he is beyond it and he's just going to take care of business there's nothing they can do to him to stop him so uh let's go ahead and take care of family business this is a settling of old debts yep yeah Everyone is still acting like they're the heroes of their own movies, having to for being forced to make a cameo in someone else's story, yeah. except yes. for Captain America, who's like a team player, you know, to the end. Yeah. yeah. Captain is like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like, what should we do? Do we have a plan of attack? And 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 Thor and Iron Man are still on like, uh, maybe there is a way I could still make this an Iron Man movie. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Yeah. 
All right. Well, there's going to be a lot to talk about with them because Thor takes Loki and just zips out of the back yep. of, the, of the Quinjet and <laughs> disappears, yeah. allowing for the rest of our team to figure out what the heck is going on and what do we do now. This, Chrissy, to your point about Natasha, as we were talking about her yesterday, this scene is one where I really struggle with her lines because I don't know if she just feels incredibly written or just like almost like not Natasha, like something about the way she's written in the scene. Just, you know, she just seems or maybe even though how she's playing it, it just seems so much bigger than the way she normally seems as far as a little more reserved. I mean, she's like another Asgardian. Like she just seems <laughs> so shocked. I'm shocked. Yeah. yeah. An exposition machine. Yeah. And then and then and then the line, I'd sit this one out, Cap, you know, as you were saying, she's kind of playing mom again. And it just, uh, you know, these guys come from legend. They're basically gods. Like, all of it just seems so written. And I just, I don't know. This is a moment where I really, I struggle with her as a character because I feel like, um, and this m- may tie into our, the writer-director, as far as, like, the way that, that Tig is writing these characters in ways that. I don't necessarily feel fit with who the characters are. And and yeah, as you said, Nathan, it feels like, oh, now she's the exposition machine, the exposition mom machine. Yeah. Well, and as if as if she would, you know, if she didn't have to flip the buttons that she obviously has to flip or they'll crash uh, (laughs) as if she would sit that out, as if Black Widow would would sit it out while she's telling Cap to sit it out, you know, like. She if she wasn't right. flipping those buttons, she'd jump out there too, you know. Yeah, that's a great point. Like, like by the end of the film, is she going to say, "Oh, you know what? This this is, looks like a whole bunch of gods fighting with a whole bunch of aliens." I'm going to sit this one out too. Yeah, you know, it's like it's like she never does that. That makes no sense. She would right. never sit it out. No. So yeah, it's kind of a bummer. And uh, like, also, he calls her ma'am. Right? There's only one god, ma'am. And it's like, oh, uh, uh, uh. that's, that's a little much. <laughs> no, yeah. no, thank you. <laughs> Cap, <laughs> ma'am, you. Especially, I mean, I maybe I would get it if it was somebody that he hadn't met before and he was just trying to be polite. But in a situation where this is a person that he's been kind of, again, it's all over the course of a day that they've met. So it hasn't been a very long time. But still, like, they've had plenty of conversations. They've spent several hours flying at mock speeds across the ocean to get to Stuttgart. I mean, I feel like they have had enough time together. Like, I feel like there's a certain point in a relationship where you just stop calling them sir or ma'am. Right. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> it's a 30s thing. I don't like it. Uh, 30s. So even <laughs> even by his 40s standards, he's he's late. Yeah. I, I don't approve, though. Yeah, it's frustrating. But OK, but here's this is where we start getting this conversation. And we will have had plenty of conversation about this particular conversation with our last guest, Father David Mowry, as far as this conversation about God. There's only one God, ma'am, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't dress like that. What? How does this play for the two of you as far as this whole thought of God and gods and all of this in this particular universe? That line has always bugged me, even from when the I first saw this way, way back in the day. It's always bugged me. Um, I get that Cap is supposed to be old fashioned and, you know, perhaps would truly have like that one God belief, but it's such a joke line. There's only one God, ma'am, and he doesn't dress like that. Well, okay. As we said at the top, God does dress like that. 
he he does wear <laughs> flowing <laughs> flowing robes on top of robes on top of robes. He's all about capes. Yeah, just just give <laughs> Thor like two tablets and and yeah, yeah. He has long flowing hair and like a beautiful, gorgeous beard. Like, uh, you know, the god he's talking about is the is the <laughs> Thor adjacent looking god. So like. What god is Cap talking about that dresses in Oxfords and and has you know like suede uh, elbow patches on a Mister Rogers sweater? Like it's it's wow, that's very specific. It's always <laughs> bugged me, um, you know, that he would have that belief for one, but then that he would make such a an incorrect point for for another. I feel like there is a like there's a nineteen. 19- 20s and 30s stereotype of of God. And I think to your point, like it, even as I scroll through some of the classic images of of the Christian God, like the first one I found was a guy wearing white robes, but a nice big, long red robe or, or around him. Like he really, I, he really is. But I wonder if he's talking specifically about God, like, wielding a hammer and the gold, <laughs> like, relief on his chest. Like, he doesn't wear armor. Is that possible? Maybe, that maybe he's just, he doesn't want to think as God as, like, super sexy. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't, no, no, get, get that out of my you head. You want a schlumpy, dumpy God? That's what you want? <laughs> There's only one God, and I'm pretty sure he doesn't have that workout regimen. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, I guess I, you know I, I'm I'm thrilled that we got so much of this conversation about the 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 apparel that God wears. But I my I guess my I really want to talk about this idea of the one God yes. versus the many gods because I think that's for me that is actually more the interesting point in this conversation than what he's actually wearing and this idea of and this I, I don't know. It's interesting that at this point in the franchise, you know, we've been introduced to Thor and they kind of set this idea up that they're not really gods. They're just kind of these super powerful, long living aliens that can do a lot more. And so the, 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 the naive, um, early dwellers on Earth kind of th- saw them as god creatures. And, and the, they were kind of these beings that we saw, oh, this is a god and we must worship them. And so that was kind of the setup for that. And then, you know, Captain America is coming from the 40s, and it it feels kind of like that pure kind of historical version of America, the Christian nation, blah, blah, blah. And we get this sense of who he is and his beliefs from this line. And then you kind of continue exploring the franchise, and eventually we'll get to Thor, Love, and Thunder, and... All of a sudden, we're in uh, like this this palace full of all these different god creatures. We've got a god a god butcher running around mm-hmm. killing all these these alien creatures that kind of act as gods to all these different worlds. And I, I think it's just an interesting perspective on uh, you know religion and beliefs. And uh, I don't know. I, I guess I'm curious where they land and, and is. Do all of these gods, I don't know, I, I don't know what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is setting up. Is there God, a big capital G, and he is the god over all of these other, quote, gods who are all kind of just actually powerful aliens? I don't know that it's that big of a setup, Andy. I'm, it, to me, it, it feels like this is another toss-off line to further push Cap back in time, that he is, he has this view of God that is firmly set in in his original time and 
this is a way for Tignataro to say, look, Cap isn't progressive. And maybe he's not progressive yet, but he's certainly not progressive for today's MCU and for this movie. Yeah, they, they're trying to keep him out of, to set him aside and, and to show what's different. You know, it's like, is this a joke they would have made in the 1940s, like Captain America serial? Yeah, I could totally see yes. that. Yes, oh, 100%. And it not even being an issue for them. And then my second thought was, do I want to know what Captain America thinks about religion? No, not really. <laughs> yeah. Well, except that's always rubbed me the wrong way, though, because it seems like such a derogatory statement. And, like, isn't the whole point of Steve Rogers is that he's so pure of heart that he would be an open-minded, not religious sort of, zealot not that he wouldn't be i'm not saying he wouldn't be released okay it's not coming out the right way (laughs) (laughs) wouldn't he be open-minded in his like whole pure of heart thing to be like oh okay well maybe these gods are really uh you know maybe there is more than one god or something i don't know he just it seems so close-minded to me that it didn't track with him being this like beautiful pure soul well and maybe that's part of my issue with it because it does come across as this um monotheistic viewpoint out of a character again it feels something that would fit in the 40s but to use it as a character beat in this particular moment also feels like they're to a certain extent uh, you know almost doing it in a way where it it kind of uh i don't know i mean talking about religion is always a tricky thing but it, it i don't I wonder if it's if it ends up feeling offensive to any modern day Christians the fact that oh it's it's an old way of thinking as far as as mm-hmm. this goes like it's almost like the filmmakers are saying <laughs> you know thinking about yeah you know your one uh-huh. god is an old an old school way of thinking exactly my point yeah it reminds me of a Justice League cartoon where they had they time traveled into the past and they and and I think it was the old Flash giving um uh the new Green Lantern who's black a compliment and pats him on the back and says you're a credit to your race. Yeah, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. so gross. <laughs> yeah, and he meant it. And and Green Lantern goes like. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. Well, yeah, I, and we don't need to dwell on this too much because I know, Pete, we will have had uh, a conversation with Father Maori about this particular uh, yeah. point as well. So we can, uh, it certainly is just something that I think it does stand out as something that is worth talking about because it is an interesting line to kind of insert into this uh, into this conversation here. And then, Hence into this entire franchise yeah. as far as like really like now what are we really trying to say here kevin you know suddenly it's like uh, i'm not exactly sure where we're jumping with into the with this but mm-hmm. uh well speaking of jumping uh you know the iron man uh follows thor out pretty immediately with yet another quippy line uh because he's always he's always one to throw his lines out there and of course captain america uh follows with a parachute again we're still being safe with uh captain america as far as getting out of planes and now they're both off and out the door and um i don't know uh, we're heading off down to the woods any last thoughts on the quinjet the conversation up here or should we jump into thor and loki oh thor and loki yeah yeah, yeah. do it all right 
My first uh, question for all of you as this, as they head out of the Quinjet down into the mountains and the forests below is, does this mountaintop, this cliffside that they end up on, did any of you have any thought that this looks awfully like the spot where uh, Steve Rogers as Captain America and the Howling Commandos were looking down upon the Hydra train and then ziplining down to it? Because as I saw this, I'm like, okay, there's no snow. It kind of seems like this is, were they intending to kind of make it seem this way or were they just picking a cliff top? But uh, any thoughts? No, I didn't pick up that. I didn't pick um, up that, and now I can't stop thinking yeah. about it. <laughs> I, I love the idea that they were intending this to be that same location. I have no idea, but it, it kind of makes me smile that this might be where they are. Yeah, that'd be fun. I can, and you could totally see it right near the end of the right near the end of the minute as the camera pushes in on Loki, and you see the river winding down below. Absolutely mm-hmm. uh, reminiscent. They're probably reusing yeah. visual effects assets. Exactly. Yeah. Well, they probably said, well, we have, we still have this mountain set. Yeah. <laughs> it, just, it, yeah. It, Bingo. It, they were probably both filmed in like new mexico (laughs) yeah and and these films you know were largely filmed back to back you know thor captain america this were all kind of like happening right around the same time as they were kind of wrapping up phase one and so it's entirely possible that they just reused the set and changed a couple things but i do like thinking that somehow they ended up landing in the same place and I, i think that's kind of fun yeah uh, and this is where we start getting the the argument between the two. We're going to have a lot more of their argument in uh, in the next couple minutes. But we get this uh, search for the Tesseract. And this is really, I, I don't know. I was a little surprised, actually, that this is the first thing that Thor says to him. He says, where is the Tesseract as as his um, entry point into the conversation and into the uh, the Avengers, um, as opposed to anything else? Did uh, How did that strike uh, all of you? I was more like, yeah, it seemed very terse and direct of Thor. Uh, but I love that Loki's first thing that he says is that he just giggles and he just giggles and says, I missed you too. <laughs> you know, um, I yeah. sort of much more focused on, on Loki. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. What's, where hmm. is he coming from? His motivation? Like, where's his motivation to be looking just for the Tesseract right now? And, and not anything else like this is a hard speaking of like uh, like uh, thor coming into this movie with some like big thor energy mm-hmm. this is sort of unexplained i land in a ball of lightning on a plane to grab my brother and ask for the tesseract like there are so many other reasons he could be mad at his brother i think that it boils down to very specifically what we're going to get out of Loki in the next uh, the next minute about the dark energy and this whole idea of how you got here and that you need the Tesseract to get us back. And I, I think that's 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 always been my sense as to the direction that he's taking is like, you want to get me home, but the only way is once you have the Tesseract. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. That totally makes sense to me. But it, it is ultimately what's interesting about it is that Thor, God of Thunder, comes in here for a kind of a selfish reason like his he is totally focused on on him and loki and justice and but it's it's again setting himself above the needs of midgard yeah yeah it's it's an odd 
direction for the whole thing to go as far as um, very specifically with that. But I guess, I mean, I I don't know. I guess I just take it as it must be just because I want to get the Tesseract because I want to get you home because I'm so mad at you. I thought you were dead and you've been alive all these years. And now I find that you're not only alive, but you're trying to take over the earth. And yes. I can't wait to get you home so dad can put you in, the, you know, lock you in the dungeons or whatever. Yep. Get your spanking. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, well, I don't know. I mean, it's very brief as far as what we get with these two, other than, um, you know, I was, I know these gods are incredibly strong, or these gods, you know, that we, we were just talking about that, but these incredibly strong alien beings, whatever they are, are incredibly strong, and they can take a fall and all that sort of stuff. But do you think their clothes would get damaged at all? Like, when Loki gets, like, pounded into the top of the cliff as Thor kind of throws him down there, do you think, like, he'd have some tears in his outfit? Well, (laughs) Asgardian fabric. Asgardian fabric, (laughs) is uh, isn't it part of an illusion? Like, he changes into his, like, King Loki outfit, and then changes back to his, like, meek you know with the horns and stuff like isn't that an illusion he creates it's like loki's new clothes right yeah it's like he's he's not actually wearing any clothes and thank god he's still conscious (laughs) and can manifest the illusory clothes (laughs) that never rip because as soon as he goes unconscious he's just nude yep that's the thing yeah it's like the Thor. Thor is telling the other heroes, "Don't knock him out. Yeah. Don't knock him out unless you want to see everything." You're right. <laughs> Please, you don't want that. I've lived with this guy all my life. Yeah. No, it's weird. You don't want to see it. It's weird. You know, he's a baby frost giant under there. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> Naked frost uh-huh. giant. <laughs> yeah. No, it's really weird. I I can't stop seeing yep. it. Sorry. Sorry. It's like the Hulk. That's right. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess that's, uh, I don't know. I, I Let's save everything else for the next minute because we're going to jump into a lot more of their conversation and more of the relationship between these two brothers. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, Nathan, Chrissy, tell everybody again about where they can track you down. Uh, yeah. So uh, the most excellent 80s movie podcast, which you can find on wonderful podcast, uh, wherever podcasts are served. Um, we we do a, a kind of comedy podcast about revisiting the 80s movies from our childhood and see if they hold up uh, to our modern adult eyes. And, you know, some of them do and, and some of them don't. But, yes, you can find that also on truestory.fm. If you're looking around truestory.fm, you can find us there. So check that out, everybody. We'll have links for that in the show notes, along with all the other links for Nathan and Chrissy. So you can check out everything they're up to. And that's it for today's Minute. We'll be back next week with Minute 46. Nathan and Chrissy will be back with us. So, Pete, thanks as always. Tomorrow, baby frost giant throws a tantrum. (laughs) (laughs) Until next time, true believers. Marvel Movie Minute is a production of True Story FM, engineering by Andy Nelson. This season's music is Message to the World by Anthony Vega, and this season's show art is by Winston Yabo. Find the show at truestory.fm. If your podcast app allows ratings and reviews, please consider doing that for our show. <laughs>